going to go to the Word of God. I, I uh, was preaching Wednesday night, teaching on moving from distraction to action. And I'm going back to that uh, same uh, story in the Bible of Lot. And I, I feel like the Lord is reaching for somebody this morning. So help me out and be very attentive in the next few moments. And so I won't feel like I have to preach a long time. And so that somebody will get what they need from the Lord. But I'm, I'm actually going back to the story of Lot. And I'm going to turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 19, verse 17. I want to mention that we have service tonight. Uh, prayer meeting is very important. That's at 6. Service begins at 6.30. And also we have spiritual growth classes going on, level 1 and 2. And if you haven't done that yet, you really want to do that. It's a, it's a great opportunity for you to, to build your walk with God stronger. Somebody say, praise God. praise God. Genesis chapter 19, verse 17. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou on all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And I'm going to preach from this verse today, and I'm going to say what the angel said. Escape for thy life. Now, Father in heaven, here we are. You knew before I ever came to this pulpit who would be here today. Matter of fact, before any of us were born, you already knew that this would be the day that this message would be preached, and that those that are here would be the ones who would respond and hear. I pray, O oh God, your word would go forth with anointing and unction from on high. I pray, Lord God, that you would move us from distraction to action. And I thank you for it now, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Knowing that our Lord Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. That's a quote from Jesus. We need to give our full attention to the warning that the angels gave Lot on that last final morning of Sodom's existence. I'm going to bow my head and pray one more time because I feel like you really need to hear what I'm going to say and, and I'd like for God to focus our attention. Lord, I love you. Help us to focus this morning. Lord, there's so many things that the enemy would like to distract us with, but I pray in the name of Jesus, help us to be focused on your word. Let the anointing of God touch our hearts. Thank you so much, Lord, in Jesus' name. We need to give our full attention to that warning that the angels gave Lot on that final morning or final night of Sodom's existence. You see, Lot's escape from Sodom and Gomorrah was written, recorded, and carefully preserved down through centuries of time in the Word of God for your sake and mine. Matter of fact, the Bible said it's for our, and I quote, admonition, which means warning. The Bible said all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. When the apostle penned these words, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall, he was taking a swing at one of the most sinister and dangerous spirits that we face today. It is the spirit of complacency. All for evil 
to succeed. All that evil needs to succeed is for us to be complacent. When you presume that everything is going to be just fine without any action from you, that's a false presumption. And it is a demonic spirit sent from hell, a spirit of complacency. This demonic spirit fosters an, an attitude of carelessness and encourages a person to not give sufficient attention or thought to avoiding harm or errors that would compromise the soul. We are the generation, the Bible said, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Don't be the proverbial ostrich, bring your head out of the sand. And as you're hearing the daily news, remember that is an alarm going off, that time is running out. That if there's to be any action to reverse course, it must be now. Many in our culture have already lost their moral and ethical bearings. People are proud of what they should be ashamed of. And they're ashamed of what they should be proud of. In Edward Gibbon's final volume of the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, he wrote three of the five major causes behind the fall of one of history's greatest empires. And he broke it down to three. He said, number one, what brought the Roman Empire down, number one, was the breakdown of the family. He said, number two, the Romans had an insatiable craving for pleasure. And number three, he said, was the decay of religion. If you're paying any attention at all, these three things are very much at work in our society right now. Our first president, George Washington, stated in his famous farewell address, I quote, religion and morality are indispensable supports. Reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle, end of quote. Our 40th president, Ronald Reagan, warned, quote, without God, there is no virtue because there is no prompting of the conscience. And without God, he said, democracy will not and cannot endure. If we ever forget, he said, that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. And yet many people sleep on, assuming that tomorrow will be somewhat like today, and that nothing's going to change, laying back in their lazy boy, drinking their lemonade, assuming that everything is going to continue like it always has. I'm telling you that our nation is in deep peril right now. That our world is in deep trouble. That the Lord Jesus is about to come back and take his people out of here. And that while we're here, we need to be salt and light. And we need to change everything that we can change for the better. God, help us. We need a sin-destroying, God-honoring, earth-shaking, hell-defeating, Holy Ghost revival to begin right now, right here. Little is much if God is in it. 
When two or three are gathered together in my name, Christ said, there am I in the midst of them. Don't say, I can't affect anything. I can't change anything. Yes, you can. God has called you. We need to have a Holy Ghost move of God. Tomorrow may be too late. So today, we the people of God raise our swords against the evil spirits that are working hard to break down our families. We say in Jesus' name, let the blood of Jesus cover the families all across America and our families right here. Lord God, we have to begin to pray. Folks, I don't know what you're doing, but we need to start praying really hard for families. We raise our sword against the evil spirits that say pleasure at any price. That if it's fun, that's the most important thing. That's one of the things that have gotten us to where we are today with millions being aborted and children not knowing who their dad is. And such a huge increase in psychiatric problems because people are scared and they don't know who they are and our culture is being erased and our history is being erased because the devil knows that a people who knows their history has a much chance, a better chance of being what God wants them to be. We learn from the mistakes from the past. We don't erase the mistakes of the past. We don't go around pulling down statues and, and pulling down uh, the things that mark uh, our historical moments. Why? We're not saying we agree with all those things, uh, but we must never forget where God has brought us from and where God is bringing us to. We need God in a mighty way. Somebody say hallelujah. So we raise our sword against pleasure at any price. People who put pleasure first put family last. Somebody's got to stand up and be a man. Someone's got to stand up and be a woman in this hour. God help us. Today we raise our swords against the decay of God consciousness in America. It seems as though that now just the mention of the name of Jesus in a public place is looked down upon and even forbidden. So when I was called upon to pray the prayer over the state senate and over the state house of representatives brother gary you'll remember that i ended that prayer by saying in the mighty name of jesus i've seen the intimidation so factor uh, factored in so greatly that in the inauguration of a governor of our state that the preacher, when he got done praying, refused to use the name of Jesus. There's pressure going on. But somebody has got to stand up in the name of Jesus. Because the real enemy, the enemy that you face that is the most dangerous to you, is the enemy of complacency. Satan is gambling that you'll get so involved in your little personal life that you'll have no time to pray for others, that you'll have no time to tell others about the Lord, and that you will have no time to prepare yourself for the soon coming of the Lord. Complacency is your enemy. Complacency will allow the enemy to steal every liberty we have ever had. When Hitler came for the Jews,
there were other people that watched and said, oh well, he's not going to bother us, he's just going for the Jews. And then he also began to go for the Polish. And then he also began to go for certain types of Christianity. And it all came crumbling down because somebody said, well, what's that to me? It's nothing. It doesn't concern me. It concerns somebody else. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, a complacent person will not realize what he has to lose until he has already lost it. There are three things I will mention this morning that the angel said to Lot that were preserved for us to heed. Number one, which is the title of this message, he said to Lot, escape for thy life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said in the day that he would come, it would be like it was in the days of Lot. In the days of Lot, the angel said, escape for thy life. So I have to assume that in our day, as we reach the coming of the Lord, that the same message is true for us. Escape for thy life. This is not a drill. This is not a Sunday school picnic. This is not business as usual. This salvation is not a casual experience. Yes, I thank God for the rewards that we have in living for God. If you're not living for the Lord, you just don't know how many blessings you're missing. It is such a beautiful thing to walk in covenant with God and God to take care of you. It's a beautiful thing to go to God and say, I need healing. And God says, yes, it's one of the benefits. I'm going to heal you. It's a wonderful thing when I'm troubled and I say, God, I'm troubled. He says, oh, that's another benefit. I'm the Prince of Peace. And I thank God for all the benefits. But this is not just about a better life. You need to understand that when Jesus is calling, and he is calling now, America needs to listen He's calling now. The message of the angel then and now is escape for thy life. I'm not going to church because of the benefits. I thank God. He daily loadeth us with benefits and I thank God for that. But I want you to know that this is an escape for your life. Jesus is about to come. The judgments of God are going to fall and all who are left behind will perish. You and I are living at the very edge of the coming of the Lord. But you need to understand that the world is living at the edge of the judgments of God. We are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, as the Word of God describes. But it also talks about the judgments of God that are going to fall full on the lives of people who are left behind. Now let me say this to you. Lot had done well. He sat in the gate of Sodom. The gate in the Bible is a symbol of power. Gate in the Bible is a symbol of authority. Lot sat in the gate. In other words, he was a leading figure in Sodom. He was well known. Lot himself was a righteous man. Lot had done a lot of things right. God had blessed Lot with a nice income. But Lot was lethargic and complacent when it came to spiritual matters. Watch. Abraham built altars. Lot built businesses. Now there's nothing wrong with having a business and God blessing it. But I want you to notice that Abraham, who also was a very good businessman, built altars. Lot built his business. There is no record of Lot ever having built one altar. That's significant. The altar, see, is where sacrifices to God are offered. 
I go to the altar. I offer sacrifices to him. The altar is a place where you go to worship God. I praise you today, Lord. I come to the altar to worship and praise you. The altar is where communion with God takes place, where somebody literally talks to God and listens for an answer. Communicates with God. And the altar was conspicuously missing from Lot's life. Listen. If it was possible for a good man to be good in so many ways and deficit in spiritual things then, think about it. This is recorded for us. Though Lot was a good man, he never built one single altar. Listen to me. Lot finally woke up. I promise you he did. Not until the last night of Sodom. That's when Lot woke up. Complacency had caused him to do very little or nothing for God. And when an angel finally came on that last night of Sodom before it would be destroyed completely, God, the angel of God, looked at him and asked this very searching question. He says, Hast thou here any besides son in law? Sons, daughters, whatsoever you have, whatever you've gathered over your lifetime now, you bring those out of the city. And Lot looks at him and goes, oh my God, my kids. Oh my God. At that moment, the stock market meant nothing to him. At that moment, his multi-million dollar business meant nothing to him. When the angel looked at him, suddenly Lot lost his complacency. He was energized. He leaped to his feet. He was saying something like, oh my God, my kids. And suddenly nothing else mattered. In one single moment, his individual accomplishments became meaningless. He no longer cared about his position on the city council. He no longer worried about his place in society. All he could think of was, I've been asleep. I played the fool. My kids, my kids. Oh my God, my kids. And God, the word of God says, and Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Ha-ha, Dad, nice joke. We know you're not serious. You would have been talking about this a long time ago if you were serious. We've never heard you tell us anything but how to be a good business person. You've never told me about what I needed to do to live a righteous life. And you've never talked to me about angels before. And you're telling me you've got two angels at your house Aha, Dad, nice joke. I, I, I've never seen you build an altar, Daddy. Lot's story illustrates that God cannot be just one of the things that you do whenever you have a little extra time on your hands. The message that you are sending to your family is of tremendous importance. And the message they learn is by what they see in you. They're watching to see what you do and what you say and what you are. Somebody needs to get deadly serious about living for God. This is not a stroll in the park. I stand here like Noah and I preach the rain is coming. I stand here and say, just as it were in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days when the Son of Man comes. I'm calling to somebody today and I have a word from the Lord. And it's simply this, escape for thy life. The second thing that the angel said to Lot that last morning, just outside of Sodom, he said, look at me. 
Look not behind thee. This is the second statement he said. Do not look behind you. You've escaped the fires of judgment. But the angel said, look at me. Read my lips. Look not behind thee. The angel knew where Lot was looking was where he would be going. So he said, look not behind thee. Let's not get so attached to worldly things that you begin to look behind you. There ought to be no competition with Jesus. Jesus is first. Anybody that lets Jesus fall to number two or number three, you're not going to escape. The real deal is keep Jesus first. And don't look behind you. There's nothing for you behind you. There's no future in your past. Don't glamorize how it used to be like Israel did and said, oh, for the leeks and the onions, and they forgot the whips. Let go of your past. Let the painful experiences of the past be covered also. Look not behind thee. Don't be bringing up the past to your spouse. Some folks, every time they get mad, they bring up something out of the past. That's a shame. It needs to stop. If God has forgiven, leave it under the blood. Don't pull it out every time you get angry and say, well, I remember what you did a year ago, or I remember what you did five years ago. Don't do that. That's against the Lord when you do that. The blood of Jesus has covered that. It's gone. Now leave it gone. Can I get an amen? Amen. Don't go back. But then as I read the story with horror, I read, but his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. She knew what the angel had said, but when the earth-shattering explosions took place, and I'll be quite honest with you, I don't, I don't blame her. I have much regret and much sorrow for Lot's wife. Because I know there's nobody that loves like a mother loves. And when she heard and felt the ground shaking under her feet, it was, it was her love as a mother that caused her to turn around. And when she looked back, you see, it doesn't matter why you look back. Don't look back. The Bible says she became a pillar of salt. It was almost 2,000 years later. The year was 33 A.D., Jesus was teaching about his return. Some of the same things I'm telling you, he was telling a crowd of people. It was one of the last things that he would say before he would be crucified. It's it's 33 AD, the, the year he will be crucified. It's not very many days away, and he's talking to them, and he's ministering to them, and then just days away from the cross, he stops and he says three words. In Luke 17, 32, he said, remember Lot's wife. Huh? That's almost 2,000 years ago. Why is he saying, remember Lot's wife? Because he doesn't want any of you that start out to live for God, to get confused or discouraged or, or, uh, or complacent and begin to look behind you. And finally, the third thing... The angel said, he said, neither stay thou in all the plain. Neither stay thou in all the plain. He knew how tempting it would be not to climb the mountain. 
He knew how tempting it would be not to go the distance. He knew human nature. So the angel said, neither stay thou on all the plain. He knew it's so easy for us to slack off after a while. He knew that our human nature would say, ease up. He knew human nature is to let little things start creeping back in. A little bit of complacency that says, a little of this, a little of that, can't hurt. I'll leave Sodom, but I won't go too far. I don't want to get carried away with this denying of self and taking up your cross thing. I'm out of Sodom. That's good enough for me. I'll just camp out on the plain. I don't need to be too radical in this thing. But I want you to carefully observe what Abraham saw the following day after the fire and brimstone rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah. I want you to notice the words right from the word of God, what Abraham saw. It's in Genesis 19, 27. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, note, and toward all the land of the plain, and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain. There was a reason why the angel said, now when you get out of Sodom, don't camp out in the plain. Because God intended not only to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he was going to destroy the entire plain. He said, escape to the mountain for your life. Don't stay too close to Sodom. Don't stay too close to Gomorrah. Don't just go a, a, a few hours and put your tent down. This is all going to be wasted. This is all going to be burnt earth. I want you to escape for your life. And I want you not to stop until you get to the mountain. Look at verse 30. And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him. He did it. He was finally awake, wide awake. He said, I'll make a complete dedication now. I'll go the distance. I won't stay in the plain. Me, I will dwell in the mountain. I'm not staying in this plain. And we praise God for his decision. But would you please remember with me the price of complacency and the price of procrastination that Lot paid. Hear me. When Lot entered Sodom, he was a wealthy businessman with a large family. When Lot left Sodom, he left his married kids burning. He left his grandkids burning. When Lot left Sodom, he lost his wife. When Lot left Sodom, his two daughters he managed to get out of Sodom were morally bankrupt. And when Lot left Sodom, he was no longer a wealthy businessman. He had the shirt on his back. Lot, you finally went the distance, man. You went to the mountain. But my God, the price you've paid. I'm preaching to somebody that's in this building and somebody watching online. And I am urging you in the name of Jesus Christ, whatever you're going to do, do it now. Escape for thy life. Whatever you're going to do, you need to do it now. This is the time. When Lot entered Sodom, he entered a wealthy man. When he left Sodom, he was saved, but he didn't have anything else. Matter of fact, his daughters that he managed to finally get, he only escaped with two daughters, and they were morally bankrupt. Here I am on a Sunday morning. This is somebody's wake-up call. It's time. It's time right now, this very minute, tomorrow may be too late, to have a sin-destroying, God-honoring, earth-shaking, hell-defeating, Holy Ghost revival, that knowing the time that 
It's high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I saved thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Of all positions in the field of journalism, that of war correspondent is perhaps the most dangerous. Some are captured, some escape, some die. 25-year-old Leonard Spencer was the London Morning Post newest correspondent. He was, his assignment was the Boer War in South Africa. Had young Leonard foreseen the peril awaiting him, he probably would have taken the assignment anyway. But that's how Leonard was. About 20 miles from the city of Ladysmith, Leonard could hear the booming guns. He was aboard a British armored train that would take him as close to the action as he could get. The train got too close. There was a sudden crash. The the train had struck a boulder on the tracks, a a Boer booby trap. It was an ambush. Immediately a volley of rifle fire followed. Surprised, the, the British troops on the train fired back, and Leonard well, Leonard ignored the gunshots and exploding shells. He jumped off the train and actually began to direct the British defense. He helped to clear the wreckage. In fact, without the aid of this youthful correspondent from the Morning Post, the train might have well have been lost and the British troops would have been massacred. Instead, the wreckage was cleared. The, the train did pull out of the trap and carried a good many British soldiers away with it. The one left behind to face the music was... Leonard. No, the story doesn't end there. Leonard was captured, unharmed. Even though Leonard was technically a war correspondent, the the Boer commander was sufficiently impressed with his bravery to have Leonard thrown into the prison at Pretoria. The Pretoria prison was among the world's most carefully guarded strongholds. Still, that didn't stop Leonard from plotting an escape with two other British captives. As darkness fell, the trio waited for their opportunity. It was pitch black. The sentries exchanged their post. Leonard sprang across an open area, hurdled a fence of barbed wire mesh. When he looked back, there was no one. His comrades had missed their chance. 300 miles of hostile territory lay between Leonard and his freedom. For a while, he followed a railroad tracks to the east, stumbling along through the dark, dodging enemy patrols, tired, hungry, thirsty. Leonard plodded along into the night, knowing that each painful foot of the way, one false step would be his last. The night turned to day and back to night again until the days and nights blurred. Finally, Leonard reached a mining town. He may have felt his luck was wearing thin, but in reality, God was leading him. He knocked on the door of the only Britisher in the entire territory and was smuggled onto a train loaded with bales of wool. The train would carry him to the British consul, to safety. That's how Leonard Spencer, the London Morning Post fledgling correspondent got his story and his reputation for daring history has all but forgotten this incident in his life to make room for later glory. The unseen hand of God had only begun leading him and one day Leonard affected all of England for the young correspondent who once upon a time saved a British armored train and escaped the enemy under impossible circumstances, continued with the help of God to do the impossible the rest of his life. We know him as Sir Winston Leonard Spencer Churchill. The fate of Sir Winston Churchill as well as the fate of England all goes back to one single pitch dark night when Sir Winston saw his opportunity, took his opportunity, escaped the prison where he was being held. He sprang across an open area, hurdled a fence of barbed wire, and made his way to freedom. And I declare to you that it is your time for escape. These opportunities are not endless. I wish they were, but they're not. There are seasons where God calls you 
and you feel something drawing you, saying, I really need to do something about this. And then if you want to, you can walk out of the building and get your mind back on your business and back on all the stuff you're doing, and you can just kind of push it off and, and do nothing like the two that were following Sir Winston Churchill that didn't make the escape with him. They froze and stayed in place. I declared to someone in this building and someone watching and worshiping with us online that the time to escape is now. God is dealing with people. I had a call from a, a person yesterday that I hadn't heard from in years just saying, I, I want to call and apologize. The other day, Brother Chris was standing working across the street. A man stopped and said, can I just have a few minutes of your time? And wanted him to talk to him about the Lord. It's happening right now. God is drawing people. God is talking to your kids. Don't worry. God is working a work. Now is the time that God has set for the most amazing move of the Spirit, the greatest revival we've ever heard of or thought about. And just as we're seeing this happen, the Lord is ready to come. Sir, if you think for a moment that by some trick of chance that you have ended up in this building on this morning. You're crazier than a hoot owl. You are being led by the presence of God. God is saying, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But I'm also telling you that it is time now to take action. Complacency is your enemy. Now, would you rise with me, please? I've preached enough. What will it be? Comfort or making the effort? What will it be? Complacency? Or discipline yourself to do what is right. What will it be? Will you share your faith? Or will you just go back to living your little life all for you? And build all the stuff except the kingdom? Or will you say, God, everything you've given me, everything I've got you gave me. I want to give you first place in my life. Lord, I, I, you know I've always believed in you, but you haven't always been first place. But today, in the presence of the holy angels, I declare, God, you're number one in my life. And Lord, if I ever start looking behind me, slap me upside the head. Don't let me start looking behind me. I remember Lot's wife. I'm here to put you first. I repent of anything I've allowed to come ahead of you in my life. And I say, here I am, Lord. I hear you loud and clear. Escape for you. Oh, and Lord, I'm going to start talking a little bit more about my family to you now. You're going to hear me talking to you about them every day. And when you give me the chance, I'm going to talk to them about you too. Lord, I'm going to share my faith with anybody. I'm tired of, I'm tired of taking the tuck head and I'm tired of concealing my experience with God. I'm going, to, I'm going to let it shine. Is there anybody in this building that God has said anything to at all today? Well, that preacher, he never took his eyes off of me the whole time he was preaching. You're the one I'm talking to. Because when you feel that way, it's because the Holy Ghost is looking at you. It's not my brother, it's not my sister, it's me, oh Lord. You've heard me tell 
the older ones that heard me tell the story of this construction going on in the building. Young man was up on the big platform, wheels on it. One of the wheels fell off and it started to turn over and the young man fell off the scaffolding. Landed on the pulpit and then jumped down to the floor and without realizing what he was saying he said I was saved by the pulpit. Didn't even know what he was saying. I was saved by the pulpit. I can't tell you how many times this boy was getting ready to make a wrong turn and somebody got up and he rolled up his sleeves laid his ears back and he preached to me like I wasn't a very good person. And I got up from my chair and I walked down to the front and I said, Lord, it's me. You're talking to me. And it changed the direction of my life. I'm not talking about before I got saved. I'm talking about since I got saved. The pulpit has saved me many times. And I heard the word of the Lord, and I realized, God, you're talking to me. And I said, here I am. I'm preaching to somebody today. I'm wondering, is there anybody that wants to shed complacency? Is there anybody here that wants your family saved as much as anybody else would want their family saved? Is there anybody here that feels like maybe I could just give it a little bit more than Maybe I could put myself into this thing a little bit more than what I have. Maybe, maybe I, I need to give it a little bit more effort than I have. Don't know. Is there anybody here that, that might feel that we are actually living right next to the coming of the Lord and an all-out effort is a really good idea. Give it my best. I must be saved. I must be saved. I must be saved. Thank you, Jesus. I must be saved for Jesus. Saves, forgive me, Lord. Blot out all of my sins. I must be saved today. I love you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I ask that you would just send your angels now. Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm needing you right now. Ask you, Lord, that you'd send your angels around this room. Lord God, that each one of these dear people would have a ministering spirit that would touch them and help them, Lord. And Lord, that every one of us today would say, Lord, I'm going to be used of God like I've never been used of God. I'm going to be seeing great things happen. I'm going to be seeing miracles and signs and wonders. God is going to save my family. Come on, somebody. Join me. God's going to save my family. I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm believing you, Jesus. You're doing great and mighty things, Lord. Here I am. I give my all to you. Now, could we just for the next uh, few moments, could we just close our eyes and no matter where you are in this building, would you lift your hands and, and would you begin to praise the Lord and, and begin to worship Him? He wants us to praise Him. He wants us to worship Him. I love you, Jesus. You're worthy of my praise. You're worthy, oh God. I praise you. I'm praying, oh God. I'm praying, hallelujah. I'm believing you, Jesus. Lord, I'm going to pray through. I'm going to pray through every cloud. I'm going to pray through every obstacle. I'm going to pray through every barrier. I'm praying. I'm piercing through those clouds. In the name of Jesus, my praises are being lifted up to you right now. I know that, Lord, you dwell in the praises of your people. 
Hallelujah. So, Lord, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you. The devil doesn't want me doing it, but I'm going to praise you. I'm climbing this ladder. Lord, there's a ladder here, and I'm climbing it. The ladder of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It doesn't always come easy, but, God, I'm praising you just the same. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If nobody else praises you, I'm going to praise you. If nobody else lifts up your name, I'm going to say Jesus is the sweetest name I know. If nobody else loves you, I love you. Oh God, I give you praise. That's it. You're breaking through something right now. Praise breaks through. Praise breaks through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'll stand here and praise God. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody says. I'll just praise you, Lord. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. The devil doesn't want you doing that. Go ahead and praise God a little bit more. I love you, Jesus. I love and adore you. You are my wonderful God. You're my wonderful Savior. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, you're sending a mighty revival to our city, to our state. Oh, God, to the Kennebec Valley. Oh, God, hallelujah, to central Maine and all across Maine. God, I love you. I worship you. I praise you. Hallelujah. The harder it is to praise God, the more we need to do it. The devil knows when you start praising God, you're going to break through something. Let's do this another 60 seconds. Come on, give God your best praise right now. Oh yeah, I'll praise you, Lord. I'll lift up my voice. I'll worship you. I'll praise you because you're worthy. You're worthy. Oh God, you're worthy. I praise you, Jesus. Oh, I praise you, Jesus. I'm not ashamed to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. For he's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. He has taken my sins away. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on, let's praise God for our children. Let's praise God for our families. In the name of Jesus, I praise you that you're saving our children. I praise you that you're saving our families, God. I praise you, Lord, for our grandchildren. I praise you, Lord God, for all those that you're touching, healing, saving, delivering. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Hallelujah. 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 God always looks to see how we respond. God's always watching to see how we respond to his word. Oh, Lord, we respond today with worship and praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I give you praise, God. I give you praise, God.